0: Tyson, what are we talking about today?
1: Oh my god, Richie, I'm literally sweating. This is what happens when I have notes and I have to talk. This is not normal behavior. Okay, we can do this. You know what? We can do this. We can start over. We can pretend that your bullying did not happen. You did not derail this podcast because we're starting now.
0: You ready? Yeah.
1: Me, 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 me,
2: me. Okay, good. Me, me, me. Okay. Hi, Richie!
0: <laughs> Hi, Sin!
2: Hi,
1: everyone! And welcome to episode one of... I didn't think of a title for yeah, wasn't this one! it <laughs>
0: wasn't episode one before at all. You've just decided this.
1: No, no, I, I didn't just decide it! It was always episode one, I just forgot to say it before. But I didn't think of a title for this specific um, mini-podcast.
0: So you want to do episode one of a series that's just talking about the, the like less than three-minute intro of no, Demon Souls? It, no,
1: no, this episode is intro, but then, look, I have, I have a thing for everyone, this episode is intro, our next episode is episode two, the Nexus, then it's episode three, the Monumentals, and then there's- You didn't
0: tell me any of this, you just said you wanted <laughs> to talk about the intro.
1: Yeah, but that was episode one. I was like, Richie, you know I get nervous when I have to talk. (laughs) I'm like a Soulsborne game. You have to put the information together as it's coming at you, okay?
0: This was more like Dark Souls 3, where parts of the information had been deleted. It was consequently impossible to make sense of. Oh my god. So what this intro we're going through now is DLC. Oh my god.
1: So Richie... Yes, Sin. In previous podcasts, you mentioned that Bloodborne seemed like it started out as a Demon's Souls sequel before becoming its own thing.
0: That's right, (laughs) Sin.
1: And in later podcasts, we talked about things that the data mining community uncovered that point in that direction as well.
0: Yes, including a document that just says it's Demon's Souls 2, which (laughs) is the main giveaway.
1: Thank you, Richie. And we'll actually touch more upon that in future Bloodborne podcasts, but today, <laughs> we're going to talk about something a little different. Mm-hmm. No, so, we're not! Yes, we
0: are! <laughs> we're talking about Bloodborne!
1: We're talking about parallels between Demon Souls and Bloodborne. Alright, alright. The Demon Souls intro starts with the narrator telling us that, by channeling the power of souls, King Alan the Twelfth brought unprecedented prosperity to the kingdom of Balataria. So here, King Alan is doing some weird souls magic to achieve prosperity in his kingdom, and this makes me think of Bergenworth and the Healing Church, um, as well as some other places/slash civilizations in Bloodborne. Where they're doing like weird arcane slash blood slash umbilical cord slash meditation slash rituals to achieve enlightenment.
0: Would you say that Yannam really has unprecedented prosperity though?
1: <laughs> well, no, it's, it's different in the sense that King Alan wants prosperity, but like Bergenworth wants enlightenment and they're trying to achieve it with like strange rituals or whatever.
0: I think this is more like what happened in Thumaru, though.
1: Yeah, that's why I mentioned the civilizations as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 Could you elaborate on that? You're saying this is more like what happened in Thumaru?
0: Something people say about Bloodborne that makes it feel different to the other Souls games is that in the other Souls games, there tends to have been some sort of hideous catastrophe prior to you showing up. And then the game is set in the aftermath of that. Whereas in Bloodborne, the catastrophe is mounting throughout, and then it happens, like it basically at the end of Act Two, and you you witness the Red Moon descend and everything get destroyed. Whereas, like if you th- think about like Dark Souls or Demon Souls or something, like you start in the ruins after all the bad things have happened, right. Right. Like in this one you start like after Boletaria has fallen and King Alant is just presiding over the ruins. You don't King see Alan. Boletaria. King Allen. Thank you. Aha. Uh-huh. You don't. <laughs> you don't see like it doesn't start with Boletaria. Like if this were structured like Bloodborne it would almost be like Alant would be trying to wake up the old one throughout and then he would and then Voltaria would be destroyed and then you'd uh-huh. play out like a bit more.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Richie. So the intro continues and the narrator tells us that it was
1: all good in Bellateria until the colorless deep fog swept across the land. So let me ask you, do you think the deep fog can be compared to the plague?
0: Um I don't think really. I think the 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 main thing about the fog is that it cuts off boletaria like it's like boletaria gets encircled by this thing and you can only get in and out through this fissure in the fog like that's that's the in-game justification for fog walls yeah which all the other subsequent games use with no explanation they're just there (laughs) Uh but here it's like no this the fog like when the fog blanketed this place you couldn't get in or out anymore it's like contained within it it's more like and it's more like you know being stuck in the dreamlands or something.
1: So the fog itself is not a hostile entity.
2: The fog is it's like
0: Well, I don't know if fog fog can be hostile, it's literally it's fog. But it's like the when okay. you start messing with the old one, the fog blankets the land.
1: Okay, yeah, you and know then, what? I yeah. will I'll erase that. I, yeah, you're right.
0: It's like in the Simpsons movie when they drop the big dome.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Richie. Thank you, Sin. And then the narrator
1: says Boletario was cut off from the outside world, and those who dared penetrate the deep fog never returned. So, you know how in Bloodborne, um, Yarnum is very isolated and wary of outsiders? Yeah. But they don't have fog around them.
2: No, you just
0: can't get out. I mean, I don't even know if it's necessary necessarily true that you can't get out of Yarnum because, like,
2: no,
1: no, I don't think you can't get out of Yarnum. I'm just thinking yeah. like. I guess it's a sort of parallel where like Balitare is surrounded by the fog that doesn't yeah. really let you go yeah. in and out or whatever. But Yarnum yeah. is so isolated, like they don't like anybody coming in, and you probably won't leave because you'll probably be eaten by a werewolf.
0: Yeah. But you know what in Bloodborne is surrounded by fog, and once you're there you can't leave.
1: The nightmares. Yes.
0: Because all the all the Dreamlands locations fade off into fog. They're all just like castles and islands and things in seas of fog and you can't i don't know if you have trouble you you can leave fine cuz you're bound to the dream but like other people seem to be trapped there that's that's why like when the dlc revealed that the the masts in the hamlet the masts in the frontier were from the hamlet i was actually kind of like oh that's a bit that's a bit too literal <laughs> cuz i i liked the idea of the 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 wrecked ships in the nightmare cuz it just had this this um, it just pr- this imagery of like things have run aground here, that it's just like somewhere you get lost and you can never escape. You just sort of drift forever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You are very good at Bloodborne, Richie.
0: I'm a doctor.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Richie.
0: I played Bloodborne. <laughs> That's hard though. I stop.
2: <laughs> Thank you,
1: Doctor Peelbeam.
2: <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay. So the
1: Demon Souls intro uh, tells us that Valorfax of the Royal Twin Fangs broke free from the fog and told the world of Bolitarius' plight. So yes. here we have someone who's actively telling people about what's going on in Balataria, right?
0: Yeah, he's he's trying to get people to come and like save them.
1: But you have a different idea about what happened in Bloodborne.
0: Well, yeah, but what what did you think happened in Bloodborne?
1: Oh well, I thought that somebody came to Yarnum, and they're like, "Oh my God, check out this awesome blood!" And then they left, and they were just telling everybody, "Like, look, there's really cool blood in Yarnum. <laughs> Everything's great. They cure disease. There's a healing church. It's gonna help everyone." You imagined it differently.
0: <laughs> well, no, but like, I don't know if it doesn't specify how we found out.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But like, I I always thought it more like a secret because Yarnum's all like. They hate outsiders and they're always like away with you, away with you, away with you. Mm-hmm. And if you look at like the the way Yharnam's constructed, there's like all those aqueducts and boats and things. Mm-hmm. So I imagined like, and also like it's, this is confusing because if you stand on Upper Cathedral Ward and look out, it looks like it's on the coast. Right. And I thought, oh, that is that deliberate. And then I realized, I don't know how deliberate that is because what's happening is the game just renders everything beyond a certain distance as water. So that's they didn't. It wasn't like in, um, like in Demon Souls, when you're in Bolitari, you can look out and you can actually see they've by hand modeled the area surrounding it, the villages and everything.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, But if you if you accept that, like Yarnim is coastal, then my my interpretation was like Yarnim is just a port city Mm -hmm. where people were stopping. Although confusingly, it's described as being in the mountains, so I guess it's (laughs) like. Mm it's a mountain that's around sea level um (laughs) (laughs) when you walk around the streets you see all these discarded things and then they tend to be things like suitcases and stuff it's like people are like coming and going
2: Mm -hmm.
0: so my take on Yarnum is it was like a very very isolated place but it was somewhere people had to keep stopping Mm-hmm. So I was saying it's like, and like, I presume it must have traded and that's why it has like dry docks and aqueducts and stuff because it was like trading with the outside world and it was maybe trading blood in return or something like that. But um, it seems very, very secretive. And Mm -hmm. it it doesn't seem like they would say, yes, yes, everyone, come to Yarnum Because when you get there, they're all shouting, away with you, away! And they're, like, (laughs) chasing you out of town with torches. But then that is further complicated by the fact that this is after the Plague of the Beast happens. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So, like, it's not actually clear how much of, like, that violent xenophobia was there initially. But, like... It's clearly been that way for a while and our character has traveled there. So my take on it was just that there's this weird, isolated town and people, you hear rumors about it. Mm -hmm. You hear that like, oh yeah, like I, I heard there was a place that might be able, like if we accept that our character had a sickness, which I think is like. That's how I interpret it. It's like we're sick and we went to Yarnim. But like we had some incurable disease and we were just like searching around and we were sort of desperate and we started hearing about, oh, well, you know, I hear that if you, if no one else can heal you, there's this place in the mountains. And our character was like hiking through the mountains for like months, going to all these little villages like Hemwick that were saying, oh, yes, over in the distance, you know, if you like go that way and then like they'd run into a traveler who would say yes there's a place over there and we would very gradually make it there cuz like the point about about Yanam is it's really secretive and really enclosed so it's i don't think it's like someone actually ran out and said we need help with this hunt thing <laughs> yeah
1: okay thank you rechi so when we were talking earlier you also mentioned how because it's this gothic setting uh yeah everything seems like secretive and um
0: yeah yeah can you
1: reiterate that again
0: what I was saying before is it, it was kinda like um like in like in Dracula or something, like a Dracula movie when they they're like Hager shows up at the tavern and he's like Does anyone know about Castle Dracula? and like everything falls silent and then mm-hmm. like they leave and someone's like, Oh are you in the mountains
2: <laughs> or something like that.
0: <laughs> Many an er but few return
2: <laughs>
0: Yeah. Romania is Somerset, apparently. What? Some people will get that
2: Oh, okay, <laughs> thank you, Richie <laughs> Back to the Demon Souls
1: intro We'll learn that King Alan aroused the Old One The great beast beyond the Nexus From his eternal slumber And that a colourless fog had swept in Unleashing terrible demons Yeah So,
0: so in, in that yeah. sense The fog is sort of like the plague of beasts Like you were saying
1: Oh, like I was because, saying, but that part is going to yeah. be cut out because you shut that down. You shut that down so quick, Richie. You were like, sin, you idiot.
0: I don't think I said that.
1: Thank you, Richie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess that's what I was thinking about when um, earlier I was asking you if the fog is the equivalent of the plague.
0: Well, this this part sort of is, that like, You, he he wakes up the old one, and then the fog comes, and the demons kind of come out of the fog. Mm -hmm. But like, so yeah, like there's a plague, kind of, but it's not. So I guess I was right.
1: I guess I was right. I guess the fog is the equivalent of the plague because the plague releases the beasthood, and the fog releases Mm. the demons. I guess, yeah. Thank you, Richie.
0: I just imagine you with like your finger raised your head going back and forth. Well, actually, and the fog releases the deep.
2: <laughs>
1: there are some other elements in this sentence that make me think of Bloodborne. Go on. So in Bloodborne we know that the Themerians are guarding the slumbering great ones. Yeah. And we also know that great ones are like are like sympathetic in spirit and like answer when called upon. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, when I first played Demon's Souls, uh, when I saw the Nexus, um, I thought it was like the Hunter's Dream.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, yeah. So, like, basically King Alan contacting the Great One from beyond the Nexus reminds me of Lawrence contacting the Moon Presence and creating the Hunter's Dream. Yeah. What do you think?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Richie.
0: <laughs> do you think, like... Because the, the um the old one is very much like the great ones in a lot of ways.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And that the place that you meet the old one is like that's the cut coastline boss arena. So presume they may, were maybe gonna tie it back together
2: a bit more like that. Because
0: like the place where you meet the old one in Demon Souls. It's that boss arena.
1: Is that the cut boss arena, sorry, from the dungeons?
0: It's the, it's the cut one from the dungeons, yeah. Okay, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, like I think we talked about this a bit before, but when you meet the old one in Demon's Souls, it's underground.
2: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: it, you fall through the bottom of the nexus and you land on a beach that's, like... It's the same thing, it's like, if that was in the chalices, you would go down. You would go underground and there would be a beach underground, which is the same, like set because that explains a lot because we were like wait a second why is there a beach underground <laughs> when we first saw it because we, we were thinking is this the orphan of causes arena like an early version and they've just stuck it in the chalices for testing it and then gradually when we were putting it together we're like oh wait a minute because the beach in demon souls is also underground that kind of makes sense yeah
1: Okay. Okay. So the beach being underground makes sense, but if you take an elevator into an active volcano, that doesn't make sense.
0: I feel like if if it was played the same way, it might. If like <laughs> you, this is the difference. It's like in the in Demon Souls, the bottom of the Nexus shatters, and you like fall down into this sort of cloudy, misty void, and then you awaken on the beach, and it's sort of like almost like a dream.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, if if the maiden in said the old one is awake now and then an elevator <laughs> be there and then you took the elevator down and then the elevator even though you were going down went up out of the bottom of the beach <laughs> and then you turned around and there was no elevator shaft it would be like that
1: Thank you, Richie. So the second part of that sentence that says unleashing terrible demons can be compared to the Beast Plague. Right? Because the Beast Plague creates uh, demonic creatures out of people, basically.
0: Kinda, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Now back to the Demon Souls intro, we are told that the demons hunt down men and claim their souls.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, this can be literal, where it's like uh, the beasts of Yarnum are murdering people, and so like claiming their souls. Um, but also, it could be metaphorical because you know how there's this beast called like um, beast possessed soul. Yeah. So it's like a metaphor like that.
0: I I guess.
1: Thank you, Richie.
0: I feel like the difference, though, is that in um, in. Demon souls, like you consume the souls, the souls make you more powerful, and like your character gradually becomes a demon throughout playing it.
2: hmm
0: And it's kind of like blood drunkenness, except in
2: uh-huh.
0: I don't know if like
1: <sighs> No, Rich, you're right. That's exactly like blood drunkenness.
0: I'm thinking like outside of the hunters that use the um that Specifically, so like they used blood to make themselves stronger. The regular people of Yarnum, who are turning, with them it's just like a hunger, and then when they become beasts, they stay as a beast. It's just like they snap. Hmm. It's not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same, but also not
2: the same. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, Richie.
1: So then the narrator says, Those who lose their souls also lose their minds. The mad attack the sane, and chaos reigns. Yeah. You know what that
2: made me think of? The um, the fox in Antichrist. What? It's a film called Antichrist where a fox says chaos reigns. No. Okay. (laughs) Um, Wait, the fox said that? Yeah. What does the fox say? <laughs> rains. Oh no! That's a spooky fox.
0: That's a dead fox.
1: What? I don't know about the Antichrist movie, Richie. I don't know about that. Yeah, I,
0: I wouldn't recommend watching it.
1: Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um. So what it actually makes me think of is Jura. You know how Jura is like. Oh, what? What's what's funny? Oh no! Continue. What's funny continue. bully?
0: Don't don't tell me why specifically (laughs) Jura.
1: Specifically Jura, because Jura is like, oh, those beasts mean us no harm. So maybe what Jura is really trying to say is that people who transform may not be in the best shape cognitively. And they're just not thinking clearly at that moment. And normally they would not harm you. So I feel like that sentence, those who lose their souls, lose their minds, the mad attack, the sane, and chaos reigns, is explaining Jura's motivations. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know how, like, the people in Demon Souls attack you, and they're like the hollows?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They're called the soul-starved, and the idea is that they're still alive, but their soul, as in the thing that's, like, making them human, is being taken away from them. So it's kind of like becoming a zombie.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what is the equivalent in Bloodborne?
0: Well, you could say that a beast is kind of the equivalent because you lose your reason.
1: That's what I just said. That's yeah, what I yeah. just said, is telling you.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: I'm like staring. I just realized I'm like staring down the microphone,
2: but you can't <laughs> see me. <laughs> Thank you, Richie.
1: So then uh, the narrator in the Demon Souls intro informs us that Valerfax spoke of the enticing power of the demon's souls. Each time a demon claims a human soul, the demon's own soul is invigorated with the life force. And the power of a mature demon soul is beyond human imagination. Yeah. So that made me think of uh, Mikalash... When he's like, you know, grant us eyes, Grantas eyes, he was, like, pretty impressed with Enlightenment. So, I guess... <laughs> like, you know, in Demon's Souls, it's all about, like, being this cool giant demon, but in Bloodborne, it's, like, about being this, like, galaxy brain? Yeah. I'm not sure I understand my own parallel, Richard. Could you explain it to me?
0: (laughs) I think that the most um, Bloodborne-like character in Demon's Souls is Frake. How so? Because Frake is... He's like a sage character who's trying to understand the secrets of the universe.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: And... They actually do an interesting thing with him that we, we spoke to Loki about and it was kinda of lost in translation. Because it talks about Freke's like dirty clothing. And what they actually mean by the dirty clothing thing is that it's the uniform of someone who was a priest. that mm-hmm. has now renounced being a priest. So they're like it's their clothing has become stained and become something else. Okay. So the idea behind Freak is he's He was a priest who was worshipping what they just call God in the game. And then he started to realise that the real secret of creation lay in the old one, lay in sorcery and soul arts. And he started looking into that. And... I mean, the big, like, reveal at the end of Demon Souls is that God is the old one, that, like, the the priests and the mystics have actually been, like, dealing with the same entity from two different sides and not realising it. But, um... And what, what Freak does is throughout the game... He actually has, like, an arc throughout the game where he gets gradually... It's like like the original Mikalash layout. Well, the original Mikalash... Um, structure where he would gradually go mad, at, and kind of like Logan in um, Dark Souls, where he starts off like doing research, and the more, the further you progress in the game, the more he learns, and the more unhinged he becomes. And that ends with at the very end of the game, he actually he's the one that says, "Kill the maiden in black." Like she'll Aww. she'll be vulnerable, then kill her and take her soul. Like he's begging you to do it. Um. So, freak is the most like. Mikolash slash Willem slash Lawrence-like character in, in Demon Souls.
2: Awesome. Thank you, Richie. Then the
1: narrator says, The legend spread quickly. Mighty warriors were drawn to their cursed land, but none have returned. Beor of the Twin Fangs, Yurid the Silent Chief, Sage Urbane, Skirver the Wonder, the Sixth Saint Estrella and her knight, Garl of Inland, Sage Freak the Visionary, and I guess the equivalent of that would be, like, Gilbert or Yamamura coming to Yharnam, just chilling there a little bit and never leaving.
0: Would you describe any of them as chilling? Well, you know. Just chilling in my nightmare prison. <laughs>
2: just chilling. Repeating
0: my- the same poem over and over again. Yeah. Longing for death. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, he doesn't even attack you, right? So that's chill. Gilbert doesn't fight you, that's chill
0: guess he does He jumps out of a window and tries to (sighs) kill you
1: Okay, but that's like after After he's annoyed with you, like, spawning under his lamp all the time Waking him up in the middle of the night
0: Yeah, make that much noise when you spawn in, though
1: Okay, but then you make noise when you kill everyone around there
0: I imagine that noise is probably there regardless, though
1: (laughs) Okay, thank you, Retty. Back to the Demon Souls intro. We also learn that the colorless deep fog slowly creeps beyond Belataria's borders. Humankind faces a slow and steady extinction. The deep fog will eventually swallow all lands near and far. Yeah. And I guess, like uh in Bloodborne, you know how we talked about the cyclical nature of things? Like yeah. what happened in East nice, happened in Lauren, happened in Tumaru, happening in Yarnum? Yeah. So I guess the plague, the old blood, all that stuff is just slowly bringing extinction to various yeah. civilizations.
0: No, and you can see it's, it starts to spread outside of Yana Because that's what's happening in For- Forbidden Woods.
1: Right, yeah.
0: Because the healing church are deliberately like making the plague spread so they can keep studying it.
2: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Thank you, Richie. And then the narrator says, But Boletaria has one final hope, a
1: lone warrior who has braved the painful fog. Has the land found its savior, or have the demons found a new slave? Um, in terms of Bloodborne, this makes me think of the pact Lawrence has with the Moon Presence. Right. Where, like, you know how Gurman is held as collateral? Yeah. And if the player character chooses the Yarnum Sunrise ending, Gurman will remain a slave of the Moon Presence. But if the player defeats Gurman but does not consume the Three Chords, then the player becomes the new slave of the Moon Presence. But if the player consumes the Three Chords and defeats the Moon Presence, they become the savior of humanity and lift humanity into its next childhood.
0: Okay, okay, this is something I was going to say about the last... Thing we read, but it also applies to this. The big Mm -hmm. difference here is that like you didn't come to Yarnum as like the champion. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You just came to Yarnum and got caught up in the events and you're trying to survive. Mm -hmm. Whereas the characters, and it it, it, that's also kind of true of Dark Souls, where you're just like some dude who got the undead curse, but Uh you're not actively, yeah. Whereas in Demon Souls, it's like you're someone who. It doesn't it leaves your characters like motivation up to you, but you're someone who very specifically went to Bolitaria because you know about like the fissure and everything. Yeah. So you kind of know what you're getting into, but whether that's like whether you're you think your character is like there to rescue people, or they're there to learn about soul arts, or they're just like out to get in a fight—that's <laughs> up to you although there's that confusing thing where your character seems to know what pale blood is before the game starts.
1: I think it also depends cuz you know um you can pick your character class or whatever and yeah, each origins. one has Yeah, and each one has a little story that can maybe yeah. change your character's motivation yeah. a bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I I think like the difference is that in Bloodborne, I think it's pretty clear that we don't know about the exact like we don't know how bad things are in yharnam Mm -hmm. when we arrive whereas in demon souls it's like you kind of you're it's like you're an adventurer going on an adventure to this place you know is hostile
2: yeah that's true that's very true
0: yeah
2: cool thank you Richie. that's a very good point
1: so before this point the intro of demon souls is illustrated with like pictures Um, And then there's a message that pops up saying, would you like to play the journey to the Nexus?
0: This is going to be like Death Stranding where we go over every (gasps) single
1: knew I knew you were going to say that.
0: Can can (laughs) I say the one thing about the intro that always sat weirdly with me? What? Is that it's presented as like a flashback, right? Uh Uh-huh. And then toward the end it's seriously got this, like, old film filter applied to it where there's, like, <laughs> flecks of dust on the film and, like, it's out of rack and sort of jumping. And I'm like, did they – it's it's not a flashback to, like, the 1930s. It's a flashback to, like, the fucking 14th century. They. <laughs> I can
1: <laughs> You know how there's this Saturday Night Live skit where the guy's like, "It needs more cowbell," <laughs> so somebody was like, "It needs more flashbacks," so they added more filters. <laughs> okay, so uh, so after that message, um, that message is weird though. Would you like to play the journey to the nexus?
0: Why is it weird?
1: What what does it mean? Would you like to play the journey to the Nexus? Because when
0: you start the game, Mm -hmm. right, there's the tutorial level where you're running through, and at the end you get punched in the face by Vanguard and/or the Dragon God, depending on how you play it. Right. Um, If on subsequent playthroughs, either when you're in new game plus or if you've already done it, you can just skip directly (laughs) to the next. It's like if um like a tutorial
1: or something. Yeah, I get it. It's like
0: if Dark Souls had an option to just start at Firelink without the Asylum. It's that.
1: So, I will ask you again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Continue, Sid.
1: So, Richie, could you kindly tell me what the message would you like to play The Journey to the Nexus means?
0: It means that when you first play Demon's Souls, for the very first time you have to run through that tutorial area where like it's like this map that you never go back to and you actually can't die in it until the boss. Mm -hmm. And um, at the end of that, you die and you get sent to the Nexus. And what's happening is it's just... As a convenience thing saying, hey, the next time you start the game, whether it's like a new character or a new game plus or something, you don't have to do that because it was just a tutorial and you must know what you're doing now. Uh-huh. But um some sometimes you maybe do want to play that because it's like if you start it again, um, you might wanna fight Vanguard again. You might think like I can do it this time, because uh-huh. if you beat Vanguard in the tutorial, you get a bunch of upgrade materials. And you get to meet yeah. Dragon God.
2: Excellent, thank you, Richie. So now,
1: uh, as opposed to having flashback, nineteen thirty filters, pictures,
0: yeah. footage, yeah,
1: we have game footage. Dateline
0: Bolitharion, nineteen thirty.
1: <laughs> thank you, Richie. Um. So the next scene starts with a warrior walking through the fog in this gray place. Basically, they're trying to traverse the fog to get to Balataria, right?
0: Yes, that's what they're doing.
1: Yes. And then we hear a child's voice say, Brave soul who fears not death, I shall guide you so that you may lull the old one back into slumber. Yep. Um, we'll later find out that this child is known as a monumental. Yeah. And we'll talk about that more in like future podcasts. Okay. So after the monumental says, I shall guide you, we see this portal open in the fog, like to guide yeah. the warrior into Boletaria, like
0: out yeah, of the fog. Yeah, that's the fissure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Thank you. And so this makes me think of the Bloodborne's intro cutscene, um, because toward the end of that cutscene, we see messengers crawling all over the player. Yeah. And we hear the doll's voice say, ah, oh, you found yourself a hunter. Yeah. Like, the messengers themselves are pretty mysterious, but later in the game, the doll describes them as if they're children.
0: They're childlike, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, yeah. like, it's not, like, 100% clear, but it feels like the messengers may actually be, like, the ones guiding you to the hunter's dream after your death.
0: I'm pretty sure that's what's happening, yeah.
1: But, like, regardless, they guide you throughout the game with their notes and the merchandise and all that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And basically I think like the messengers could probably be compared to the monumental in that way. Really? Yeah.
0: But the d-
1: d- In terms of the intro.
0: But in terms of the intro the doll's more like the monumental. Well,
1: no, it's more like a combination, you know? Okay. Because like you know how before the game starts, uh in Demon Souls, the last thing you hear is like the monumental telling you they're going to guide you. Yeah, but, like, yeah. in Bloodborne, the last thing you hear is the doll telling you, ah, oh, you found yourself a hunter. And then yeah. the last thing you see is the messengers, like, crawling all over you. Yeah. So that's why I think there's sort of, like, a parallel between the two.
0: Yeah, but it's it's like, I was saying, that the difference is that the Monumental's like, oh, you're a brave slayer of demons. Of course, like, you will lull the old one back to slumber. Whereas in Bloodborne, you just You were on a, an operating table And then you just had this like weird fever dream
1: Yeah, but I'm talking about the messengers specifically I'm pretty sure if we understood yeah. the messengers They'd be like, hey, you're so cool You're such a brave warrior We're gonna give you a hug You know?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah Yeah, so I think the monumentals Are basically like the messengers And the doll would be like the maiden in black You know? Yeah yeah,
0: But the, the difference is the Monumentals, like, they are the ones who are in charge of everything.
1: We don't know that yet, because we're just doing the intro, Richie.
0: Or but, like, the next thing that would happen is the Monumental <laughs> explaining all of this.
1: Is that in the intro? That's in the game. We're not there yet. We're in the intro, Richie. Alright.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Richie. Broadcast from
0: space has reached <laughs> us. What wisdom do the aliens have to share with us? Yeah, bitch.
2: <laughs> oh, okay, so about the fog. You know, um early we
1: talked about how in Demon's Souls the fog is clearly related to the actual lore. Yeah. But in Bloodborne, um it acts more like a classic souls barrier. Yeah. However, in Bloodborne's alpha, the fog had messengers in it.
0: It did, yeah. Yeah.
1: So so maybe at some point the fog was something more.
0: Yeah, probably was, and it, it's still called like the nightmare fog in the game. Mhm. And the nightmares are still surrounded by fog, so it's almost like you know, like when you enter a boss fight, it's like the nightmare is descending around it or something like that, and you can't leave until you make it go away. I don't know.
2: hmm Cool. Thank you, Richie. That's about it for the intro. Do you have any final thoughts on what we discussed today?
0: Well, no, because you won't let me talk about... Other stuff that happens. I'm only allowed to talk about up to the character wandering into the tutorial area. Yes. Yeah. I think we we pretty much covered it. There was an almost exact um, twenty minutes, twenty to one ratio, actually, of discussion to trailer.
1: Oh wow, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a three-minute intro. We talked for an hour.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Auntie. Um, well, if that's it, Richie, do the outro.
0: That was... You didn't tell me what it was until later.
1: We we don't have a name for it yet, but it's episode one.
0: Episode one of... The Atlanta Falcons! Say
1: that again?
0: The Atlanta Falcons.
1: (laughs) What does that mean?
0: It's from The Simpsons when they didn't know who was going to be playing in the Super Bowl. So Said this really awkward bit where Lenny's like, Let's watch the Super Bowl. I wonder who's playing. It's the... And then he holds the, this mug of beer over his mouth and you just hear this really awkward The Atlanta Falcons.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Richie.
0: Leave that part out.